0: Available to buy now, wherever books are sold.
1: In 2022, Team Milk came together by sponsoring female marathon runners for the marathon in New York City. Today, they're more than 20,000 strong. In 2024, Team Milk is making an even bigger commitment to female runners and launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. The inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com.
2: Hello, welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. Each episode, a comedian comes on to play a clip of one of their jokes, and then discusses how they wrote it and how it fits into what they're trying to do with their comedy. Today's guest is Yvonne Orgy. To prepare to interview people, I usually listen to and read other interviews they've done. You get a sense of what they like to talk about and also what they get asked about over and over. In doing so, I sometimes get to see a phenomenon I always love, which is when the interviewer talks to the person as if they are the character they play on a TV show or movie. They'll be like, I can't believe you cheated on Derek, and the interviewee will be like, um, sorry? I bring this up because this happens so much to Yvonne, who is best known for playing Molly on Insecure, which just wrapped up its fourth season. I get it, the role is iconic, but I think an equally big factor is how unknown she was before getting the role. She didn't even have an agent yet. But little did people know, Yvonne has been performing stand-up since 2006, and was even handpicked by Chris Rock to open for him in 2017. With her new HBO special, Mama, I Made It, Yvonne is ready to show people who the real person behind the character is. Beyond her stand-up, which is so good, it's joyous and filled with hyper-specific, richly drawn characters, the special also includes documentary footage of Yvonne returning to Nigeria, the country where she was born and briefly raised before moving to Maryland at age six. Using documentary footage has been a trend in stand up recently, but it really, really works here. Yvonne's impression of her family members are so funny, but it's another level to then meet those people and see how spot on she is. The joke Yvonne chose to focus on is about a pivotal, life changing moment. The moment when she realized, well, I'll let her tell it. So here is Yvonne Orgy. <clears throat>
3: Man. But I, I can't front y'all. I am living my best black life right now. Recently, I got a chance to do something I really didn't think I'd be able to do, y'all. I, um, I enrolled in auto pay. <laughs> You want your check when? On the 12th? Nigga, then take it then! <laughs> ha ha! Hey, hey! It did not always used to be that way! I'm telling you, the years of struggle. I, had, I used to have uh, Team pep Talks with myself. I right, heard everybody, huddle in, huddle in, huddle in. All right, it's Friday. Ah, accounts is looking kind of low. Okay. We got $47 to make it through the weekend, all right? So listen, here's what we're going to do. is Friday, ah, we can go Chipotle, but no guac, okay? No <laughs> guac. Get that out your mind. Um, uh, the way it's looking, you can put seven on pump 11. All right, break on three, boom. You got it mapped out. You know how this is going to end. You go to sleep feeling good about your choices, your decisions. You forget that there was one, one payment pending. You go to sleep, you wake up to all these alerts. Negative 35? Negative? You call the bag Matt? Hello? No, I don't know no sprints. I check the box, nigga. Uncheck it then! (laughs) These overdraft fees are are the the trick of the enemy, that's what they are. It's not the will of God for my life. I rebuke them. Anybody here, I rebuke the spirit of overdraft fees. I release the freedom of auto pay for your children's 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 children. Girl, so you better be receive. A- <laughs> no, but it's real serious. It's funny because you know when you know when you were dating before, you'd be like, "You may have found out what his credit score is, girl." Not me. I'm like, "I'm sorry, are you on auto pay or where are we in our life?" game. Okay.
2: So I'm, I'm here with the comedian behind the joke you just heard, Yvonne Orji. Thank you so much for joining me.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Uh, before we dive into the joke itself, I wanted to hear more about the, the sort of truth behind it. I believe around 2009, you moved to New York to really try to make an entertainment. And you, you got insecure in 2015. So can you... Can you describe sort of what your financial low was or your financial struggles at the beginning of your career? You know, what did that feel like?
3: Well, how low is low? Because that's where I was. Like, I have <laughs> I have friends who were like, girl, I don't have any money. And then I turn around and they're like, yes, yeah, so I think I'm just going to spend a month in uh, Thailand I'm like wait wait <laughs> when you say you have no money it's very different than what I say I have no money and they're like no I was broke I'm like but how did you get to Thailand like was spirit air giving dollar tickets that I don't know about <laughs> um and so that wasn't that wasn't my testimony mine was literally like mm, if anything costs above five dollars I might not make it um and then it was just and so there was many years of sacrificing the dream while getting a temp job and then being like, I'm unhappy at this temp job because while I can eat and pay my rent, I'm not fulfilled as as an artist. So I quit. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, ah, dang, (laughs) I'm now broke. You know, so it's just like the sing song. And then finally, I just had to lean into, you know what? Girl, you're just going to have to struggle for a little bit, but it'll all be worth it because you know that this is like, you know, sometimes there's, uh, there's, uh, you just got to go through the fire to grow through the fire. You just mm-hmm. have to go through yeah. it. And, you know, I found myself at probably one of my lowest points in New York and I wanted two bros pizza. Which, mm-hmm. uh, if you're in New York, you know it feeds the homeless and the artists because it's it's a dollar slice pizza, and then if you want to get real fancy, you can get a can of soda for seventy five cents. It's like two dollars and seventy five cents is all you need for a meal. And I I was mm-hmm. living in like far Rockaway Queens, and I didn't have enough money to get the pizza and soda and have like round trip subway fare. And I was just like, yo, I don't have seven dollars. I'm grown with two degrees and Sally Mae is out here trying to get all my money. Um, And it just was like a very low point. And it was in that moment that God, like, deposited onto me, like, all of his plans for me. And I just remember being like, this sounds really good, sir. I I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. However, what I really would have liked better in this moment is some food. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, to get to the point then, I think, wait, when did I sign on to Autopay? Like, two thousand. uh, 19 maybe like comfortably 2019 (laughs) to get to a point where like yeah you could take all this money and i won't even know that was like yo i think i've made it like i think
2: i've made it it. can you walk me through that decision you know how did it feel when you're when you saw that was an option and you're like what was the decision being like yeah i think i can pull this off
3: well here's the thing like even when, like, I am I now live in, in L.A., you know, there are certain bills that got you, right? Like, I remember my Geico bill. They were like, you can save X amount of dollars on your bill if you sign up for auto pay. And I'm like, Ugh. But, you know, you got to find a cheat code, right? So it was just like, mm-hmm. I signed up for it, but, like, they would take the money out, like, say, like, the 15th. And I was just like, ooh, I got to get off auto pay on the 14th. And so then they gave you, like, a grace of, like, three days to pay the bill. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I know I'll have it in three days. And then like, I would pay it and then get back on auto pay so I could still save the money. So it was just like all of yeah. these things. So it wasn't, it was, I was like, I was a uh, double dutching on auto pay. So I wasn't comfortably on it. And then I'll never forget, like I bought my home in 2019 and to get my bank loan, they were like, we'll give you this great rate. Um, if you agree to have your mortgage on auto pay, And I was like, Ah-ha! my mortgage? Like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, that was the moment. That was when I was like, oh, these are big girl bills. Like, wait, mm-hmm. and you just want to take it out every month? Like, at the same time? And it was like, okay. I think then in that moment, I was like, yo, I've made it. Like, my bill, my mortgage is on autopay. There's nothing anyone else can say to me.
2: Were you surprised at how sort of powerful that felt to make that decision?
3: I think I think it was because here's the thing, I'm not so far removed from the I couldn't afford $2 uh you know worth of pizza to mm. not understand the magnitude of that moment. It was like, "Yo, god, being in entertainment wasn't even a dream that I had for myself." And then you gave it to me, and now you're not only just giving me that dream, you're giving me the like all the the bells and whistles that come Mm -hmm. with fulfilling that dream. And I think it always gets me in awe. It's just like, how how did we get here? (laughs) Because I remember (laughs) when we weren't here, because that wasn't so long ago. And the Mm -hmm. fact that we're here now, it's humbling. What it is, is it's very, it's humbling. You know, there's a Israel uh, Houghton has a song like, who am I that you were mindful of me? Um who am I that you care for me and I, like th- those words like echo like who I'm not, like I, I'm not that special like who am I that you would think to give me this life and not just the financial mm-hmm. thing of this life but just this life where like I am literally my ancestors' wildest dreams like who how did I get here and I'm grateful
2: yeah when did you then realize you wanted to talk about it on stage you know what did you see in in this that you thought, oh, there might be something funny here?
3: Well, because, I mean, listen, you hang around any artist any amount of time, you know the struggle is real, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. for a lot of us, we've all gotten got by that one bill that we forgot was on autopay. We've all gotten got like, ah, the overdraft fees. How did... I didn't, I know, I forgot, I, I missed out on the date, you know, like, you just, you know, you went, you got sloppy, <laughs> you forgot mm-hmm. you had a bill on auto pay or you forgot, like, there was a payment pending, because, you know, like, when you're, when you're counting every penny, you're like an accountant, you're just like, wait, wait, yeah. wait, I know this, okay, the check came, okay, I put it in, it's probably gonna take about two or three days to clear in the bank. and then, and then you're making, you're making plans for when it, when it clears. Sometimes you get a little overzealous, like, okay, well, I can do this because I know it's gonna go in through you know, in three days and you forget, like, ah, Monday's a holiday. I didn't account for that, mm-hmm. or something happens. And we've all be- you know, we've all been there when that overdraft fee kind of sneaks up on us. And that's when I knew I just for me, it wasn't so much like everyone's gonna get this joke. For me, it was just like, yo, I I know this feeling, and if anybody, even if you don't know this feeling, you know somebody who's had this feeling. Like it that was mm-hmm. when I was just like more than the funny of it cuz in the moment it's, there's nothing funny about it but it's just the relatability yeah. of like yo we have g- yes understood we have been there that that is liberty and justice for all to be able to <laughs> to be able to just like roam around our finances freely and just be like yeah take take it on the 12th whenever yeah the 13th whatever, the 2nd sure like it'll be there i'm like well, that is <laughs> that is a privilege <laughs> and an honor
2: so then once you, you know there's something there that is, let's say, compelling to you, you know, how do you how do you sort of evolve the ideas? How do you sort of actually write? Uh, you know, does writing look like? I think for comedians, it can mean so many different things. How do you sort of then like actually like let me think about what I would say on stage to sort of capture this feeling?
3: Well, you know, I think. Based on the trajectory of my of my career, saying, you know, I just did something that I didn't think I'd be able to do, the audience is expecting, oh my gosh, she just booked a role with insert like mm-hmm. super, super A lister here. Oh my gosh, she just landed deal here. Like they're expecting something grandiose. And for me, yeah. it's the 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 twist or the plot twist is this is something big for me because when you've come from like, I couldn't afford $2 pizza to like my bills on pay, Like that's a, that's a big win. That's a win. Um, but it's also a win that like anybody who's not in entertainment mm-hmm. can have. And so it's like writing that joke of like, I'm going to, I'm going to show them my right hand, but I'm going to give them my left instead. Yeah. Um, And that's when I knew like, okay, there's something here. And then the audience is like, it it's the, the thing they weren't expecting is what makes them laugh. But then the reality of the thing they got is also what makes them laugh. So you're kind of getting the double laughter of the realization and then the understanding of like, yo, no, 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 that is a big moment. No, 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 (laughs) that is,
2: she's right though, you know? (laughs) Do you, is is that a thing? Will you like write it down or type it up or is it sort of like you have an idea of a thing, you'll start saying it on stage and sort of go from there?
3: I write everything down. If, if, uh, yep. if if it's not, if a joke is not written down in my notes, then I, I lose it. Like I, I write everything down like verbatim. Like normally a seed will come to me. I'll get in the shower. I'll act it out. Like the shout, like mm-hmm. my water bill is probably through the roof. Cause I'm like acting it out in the shower and I'm like, okay, well, how can that go? And then I go out and like, I'm like dripping, trying to like get the towel around me, grab my phone and like, I gotta like write it all out. And then I look at it and I'm like, no, that's too long. Then I edit it, and then when I get it to a place where I like it, I'll casually drop it in conversation to see just how like how it works. Because you never want mm-hmm. someone to know like you're testing a joke on them. But it's just <laughs> sure like, yeah. uh, man, you know what I did today? Man, <sighs> I. I ain't in autopay. What, Psh, bruh? Yo, how how did it feel? Like, yo, it felt amazing, you know. And then it's like you talk, and then you see like the things that you say over and over again that get a reaction, and you're like, okay, well, that there's something there. There's something there, mm-hmm. and that has to stay. Everything else can kind of be reworked.
2: You know, I've heard different comedians talk about how maybe they'll bring it up, but it, it feels like bringing it up in conversation is such a specific part of your process. So how? When was this sort of joke then written? Was it written when you were working on the special? Are you sort of always working on jokes, even sort of when you're maybe focusing more on acting?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think whenever you, whenever a funny joke comes, I write it down because I never know what I'm using mm. it for. I don't know if it's a throwaway. I don't know if it's for a script. I don't know if it's for, you know, the stage. I just write it down and I'm like, let's see where we can go from here.
2: Oh, interesting. All right. So I, I want to take a, a closer look at the joke and sort of walk through it and you can talk... To me, how things came together, sort of what do you like about different parts? So the joke starts with the framing of like, I'm living my best black life, which sort of gets a big applause. Why frame it with that instead of maybe start immediately with sort of the, the buildup? So like, what did you like about first establishing this idea of, oh, I'm talking about how sort of great my life is right now?
3: Yeah, because it's it's kind of just like that moment of like, I'm on this stage, I'm filming my HBO special. This is a big moment for me. I, you know, I'm on my second movie, I'm writing a book. It's like all the things that are happening. I've just bought my first home. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. I'm living my best black life. And it's like, yeah. And it's just like the audience, I mean, most people want to see people that they recognize as like growing to, you know, mm-hmm. to, to celebrate their wins, right? Most people are like, like for me, I think a lot of people, a lot of my fans look at me like, man, if Yvonne can do it, like I can do it. And which I'm like, heck yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm no respecter of, like God is no respecter of a person. Like, yo, if, if you got a dream, if you know he gave it to you and you're working towards it, like I will see you on the stage soon, like whatever your stage is. And so it's that moment of like, bringing the audience in and having them celebrate this moment with me. And so that's the setup. And then it's just like, man, in addition, like part of living my best black life, I got to do something that like I thought was so unattainable. I thought was so far beyond me. Like I (laughs) couldn't even, you know, and it's just like, what, what is it? And so it's like, they're prepped to be happy for you. Like now they're like, tell us more, tell us more. Like we want to know. And then it's like (laughs) auto pain. They're like, what? (laughs) <laughs>
2: it's like, yeah it's like they're they're like what but they're like yeah that is great
3: exactly it's it's a surprise element of like that's yeah she just built this built us up so high and you know and the thing about it i think that's also what adds to my relatability you know it's like for someone it could be like man i just did something i didn't think i could be able to do and it's like what man i rented a private jet it's like that's big and that's beautiful and that's like aspirational but like half the people in your audience are like when will we ever get to do that right and it's just like and it's not that it's alienating because like if that's your truth that's your i haven't had the chance to do that if i did i probably would have said it on stage Mm -hmm. um yeah but in that moment it's like yo i'm giving you this thing that was so big but here's here's the catch you can do it too and so you know even like the reaction from you know online and the tweets and the DMs, it's just like man, what we received that auto pay blessing, girl. Because you know, in, in the joke, <laughs> I was like, I release the spirit of auto pay. You know, people were like, I was, girl, I received it. And I think you yeah. know the 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 relatability of that is that's an attainable goal. It's still a goal, but it's like yo, when I attain that goal, I can I can feel good about my accomplishments and where mm-hmm. I am. And it's tangible. I just, you know, it may take me a little bit to get there, but I can I can add, add that to my vision board as, as an yeah. accomplishment. Because sometimes you do things and you're like, yo, man, I got, I got an over pay But I think me putting it in the special, it's like, yo, 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 no, that's something to celebrate,
2: bruh. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, after you say auto-pay, there is like this sort of big cheer and you start dancing. And it made me think about, you know, First, a lot of comedians, I say a lot of comedians, a lot of their material comes from sort of anger or frustration. And, and like and inside the joke, there might have been sort of past versions of frustration. In, but like the joke is framed from the position of joy. And I think a lot of your comedy is. What is that? What what attracts you to having sort of a, a, a more joyous persona or, or, or coming to that way to your audience?
3: I mean, for me, I mean, I, my my name means Archer of Happiness. So, Yvonne Anguli Adeze also means Archer of Happiness, daughter of a King Strong Oak. I know that my my purpose is to literally shoot and inject joy into the airways, whatever that is. Um, and so, my framing is is one of like, yo, I want when you leave here that you had a good time. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not that we won't talk about different things. It's like, no, but we'll talk about different things. But it's, like you said, the framing will be positive because I'm optimistic. You know, even when I talk about dating and it's like, no, I'm single. I'm so, I'm so happy. Guys, I'm so happy. And it's just like, even if it's a struggle, it's like, but I, here's, here's what I'm happy about. I'm happy about my growth. I'm happy that I now know what I want. I'm happy that my vision board is updated and I won't settle for less. You know, so it's, it's kind of that like, you can look at the same situation one or two ways. I just choose to look at it through lens of joy and through lens of hope yeah. and, you know, the the audacity of hope.
2: Yeah. You, you you So the joke continues and you sort of have one line then to sort of explain about why it's such a big deal and you sort of, you you do this phone call and, you know, you say it's on the 12th and you said, just take it then. It, th- which is sort of like said in a sort of different tone than you're presenting stand-up. You, it's much more conversational is that partly also just sort of how it evolves in that your t- these jokes are evolving from you talking to people sort of how did the phrasing of that moment the sort of like just take it then with a the little swoop of your arm you do how did that sort of come together
3: because for me i was like that's that's power for me i'm like yo the power of that moment is you're talking to somebody and they're like, okay, ma'am, would you like us to put this on auto pay? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. When do you want it? The 12th? Take it. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like, whatever date you choose, I'll have it. Like, that is a freedom. That is, that is the, the luxury. And I say, you know, I was like, auto pay is not for the faint of heart. It's for the gainfully employed. Like, you can't just be willy nilly out here, like, yeah, sure, let me check this box. Cause then I talk about the flip side when you, when you, unknowingly enroll in auto pay and it's like I checked the box no uncheck it please i don't <laughs> want this like like when you're not ready for it you don't it's the last thing you know that you want because you know for a lot of people who are trying to you know you know make ends meet or trying to just stay afloat it's like, no, we got to get creative. It's like, we don't want to be delinquent in our bills, but we got to get creative with how we pay our bills. And sometimes mm-hmm. we have to prioritize. And, you know, if you talk to any artist at any point, you know, they remember those beginning moments. And it's just like, yo, it was not easy. And so it's like, you know, I I want to be an upstanding citizen. I want my name to like mean something. I want my credit score to not be shot. And so, it's, but it's just yeah. like at the same time, like, ah, uh, this didn't, this wasn't an overextension at the time, but now because of so many events that have happened, like, yo, I'm in over my head and Oh, okay. I gotta get, I, I really gotta get creative. This is where my acting comes into play. It's like, which one is more important? Is it my sprint bill or is it, you know, like, or is it, or do I eat today? Like, which, what do I need most? Cause then, like, if I do get the call that I got the job and my phone's turned off, that's not going to help me. But then if I can't, you know, but then if I can't eat three meals a day, that's also not going to help me. So, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like the, 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 the conversation of being able to be like, you want it on the 12th. It doesn't matter to me because whenever you yeah. want it, I got it for you, and that's that was the you know empowerment of that moment.
2: Mm-hmm. As you're talking about, you're talking about sort of the the internal debate of what can we do? It's how how what can we pay for? And in the joke itself, you create a scene of it as sort of a huddle that you have with yourself, opposed to just sort of saying that instead of explaining to me like you just did, you create a little scene of you huddling with essentially multiple versions of you. It's like a team that's all you. Um, <laughs> how did you come to sort of framing it that way opposed to sort of just telling people what it's like? You sort of created this image of multiple yous looking at the looking at the charts and being like, oh, I think we can do Chipotle, but not the quack. Uh,
3: yeah, um, because it was, I remember, you know, when I was like a PA, um, I, my roommate and I, we'd always like, oh, you want Chipotle? Cause Chipotle was one of those things where, like, you know, if you got like 10 bucks, you could, you could get like a meal and you could split mm-hmm. it and you can have, it could be lunch and dinner. Um, yeah. but then once they start adding the guac, you're like, ah, that's taking me over. Like, nah, 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 Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. Like you got to sacrifice. You, you you, you can't be out here trying to eat lavishly because <laughs> Chipotle with guac yeah. is like lavish eating, um, when you're like on the grind. And so it's just like, Hey, listen, we have to conserve. You're going to, you're going to get your basic needs met, but let's not get crazy. Let's, let's calm down. And so that's what that huddle is. That huddle is like when you know, like, okay, you're, you're trying to just get over the hump, Cause you know, you got some things coming out and it was just like, okay, we can, we can put gas, but we're not filling it up. We're, we're getting to our destination home. Okay. Anything else is again is extra. And so that, that huddle that me showing you that kind of conversation that I have with multiple versions of myself, it's like, this is what what it took for me to get on this platform, this stage that you see me on, that you're applauding me on. Like, without telling you like, yo, it was real hard. It's like, yo, this is, these are the the the, the mental debates that I had with myself. And sometimes, you know, you can look at your favorite celebrity and be like, man, they were overnight success. And it's like, oh, it was a long night if you think that, <laughs> you know. And so showing you the process of, um the negotiations I <laughs> I had to have. Yeah. It, it it lets you know that like this moment means that much more to me because I remember this other moment.
2: Yeah. It, you know, in, in general throughout the special, you you'll set up premises and you'll do scenes or act outs, you know, instead of telling the audience you'll you'll perform it. Um in, in other jokes it allows you to do a lot of very specific characters. Um or sometimes it's your your family members or sort of people from back home. Uh, What do you like about that style? How did that style evolve to be sort of more performative, to be sort of more, character oriented.
3: You know, I think the the beauty about, you know, my my style of comedy is that like I get to use every aspect of me, right? I get to use the Nigerian mm-hmm. aspect of me, I get to use the African American aspect of me, I get to use the performer um, you know, actress a- aspect of me and then I'm a comedian. So it's really just me being able to be like I like acting and I like comedy and I don't want to have to choose Which one I am right now, because I can be both. So Mm -hmm. in this moment, I'm going to X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, when we went to Nigeria to do the the woman on the street uh, segment, Mm. I, I didn't know what they would say. Like that wasn't scripted at all. And so, oh really? No, it wasn't. It was, you didn't go
2: in with a plan. You just sort of like walking around.
3: I I knew that, for instance, like with the um with the directions bit, that came from yeah. me asking directions of like Nigerians in America, and just been like mm. they don't know how to get anywhere. So then it was like I wonder if Nigerians in Nigeria do the same thing, and it was just like let's ask some people, and I was just like you can't even make this up. They do the same thing. It's like, it doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter if if they've lived in America for so long. It's like, they are still Nigerian at heart. Mm -hmm. And um. so that's why I was like, oh, you know, I knew that going to Nigeria, I wanted to highlight some things that I would say on stage, um, as well as like talk to my parents. And, you know, just because the punctuation of those clips, I was like, man... It kind of brought it to life. Like it's one thing to hear me say it, and then it's another thing to like see it. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of just like kind of put the exclamation point on so, like to hit home on some of the the bits. If you asked a Nigerian for directions to uh, the theater tonight, it would be the most frustrating experience of your life. You would still be on your way here, okay? <laughs> you'd be like, "Excuse me, can you please tell me how to get to the Howard Theater?" Here they go, Howard Theater. <laughs> So what is this move? It's your GPS, what's going on, sir? Mm. Okay, okay, here's what you want to do. You want to go all the way down. Just go down, 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 All the way to the end of the road. At the end of the street, you will see a stop sign. At that stop sign, stop. Excuse me, excuse me, hi. Please, do you know uh, Obalade? Balindi. Yes. How do I get to Obalade? I don't really know most of the names of the place. You go straight down, you turn right, then you turn left, and then afterwards you just keep on going. So there's yeah. many rights and lefts? Yeah, pretty much. When okay. you get to the bus stop, okay. then I will stop. When I get to the bus stop, bus then I will stop.
2: I will mention on, on that moment, when you talk about how they give directions and then you have them do exactly, I couldn't believe it. The fact I was like, maybe she went there and then reverse engineered. Like as a person who thinks about this stuff, I was, and I was going to ask you about it because it was fascinating. It was like, either she planned this reverse engineered or she truly is like, I mean, like, I mean, I guess it's correct, which is sort of you, it's an observation of like, they talk like this and to get people to actually say that, is you know there's been a lot of documentary footage and specials recently but nothing where it was like literally like people talk like this and then you have a person talking like that it it was i imagine in that moment when it happened were you like oh this is great
3: oh yeah it was perfect because i was just like you i really was like wow he literally said my joke verbatim like i can't like and I had that joke before, and that was that was the crazy thing. It's like I I, I I've i had that joke, and then he was like, and then when well, you get to the stop sign, man, you stop. And I was like, he did not, he did not. <laughs> I was like, did we get it? Like in my mind, I was like, please tell me we got it. Like just because you know we were filming on the street, it was like high, it was a tight space. We had two cameras going. I was like, it better be clear that there was mm-hmm. there better be no out of focusness. Did we get that? Like it was it was like a moment of triumph. Um, and it was just also like a moment of like, man, I love my people. You, they can we can't be helped. It was just like, <laughs> we can't help ourselves. <laughs> just, but my, I think my so, favorite, my favorite part was like the little kids who were just like, no, we use Google maps. And I was like, oh, look at the yeah. look at the generational gap. <laughs>
2: yeah. It was like they truly like wrote to tag. It's if, if you wrote the joke out again, you'd be like and then a little kid would be like we just use the Google Maps. I,
3: I I mean I loved yeah. it. I was like, "Yo, this is the, this is our generation." And I and I and I quizzed him. I was like, "So you don't even know." She was, he was like, "No, you can just put it in your phone." I was like, you know what? I'm not mad at you kid cuz that would have been my answer. And I, you know what? Yeah. Tell your dad to do that next time cuz he got me lost. Mm-hmm. You know, like your dad got me lost."
2: <laughs> so, uh so the joke continues and so the last sort of big part is the to have this rebuke of um, overdraft fees, <laughs> what? Where, how did that come to you? It's a very, it's an interesting move to give that audience. You, you, you address the audience directly, and you, as a sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, but you sort of rebuke this for generations that they, <laughs> they don't have this problem.
3: Well, yeah, because because here's the thing. So uh, I start off saying like overdraft fees are the trick of the enemy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then when I give the rebuke, it's because the the reality is if you think about the system, right, you are, you know, you have one dollar less or even 60 cents less than what the vendor or the merchant was taking out. Your bank floats you the 60 cents and then charges you $32 or $35. <laughs> You're like, "Hold up, what sense yeah. does that make?" Like, if I didn't have the 60 cents, now like you I owe, I'm in debt to you $35. Like, why am I not in debt mm. to you the 60 cents? Like, can I just make up to you what I didn't have? You know, yeah. or like just don't let it go through. You know, like whatever, like just don't let like whatever it is. But then and then like god forbid you had Two things coming or three things coming out at the same time. And, you know, you're short. So now we were like 35 times three. And it's like, that's such a system. I mean, we, we accept it because you're like, well, that's just how the banks are. But it's just like, yo, that's a system of, I don't know, of oppression is the word, but it's definitely not a system to help people out of debt that are already yeah. very close to the deadline. You know what I mean? So it's just like, this is whack. And systematically, this is whack. And the people that it affects the most, it's 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 it can be crippling. And because then because yeah. then you're like, if I do get a check instead of me starting at like a good level, I'm starting at a, at, at a deficit because now I got to pay my debts like a Lannister, mm-hmm. you know, to the to the banks and And now I'm short again, so it's like this cycle of poverty, to be honest. It's like a it's like continuing yeah. continuing the cycle of poverty. And so that rebuke was me like, you, know, I rebuke the overdraft fees. I rebuke it because it's like now nah, from your children, like they will know the blessing of never having, you know, they will know the blessing of auto pay because that means that yeah. that's one less thing they have to worry about. Um, You know, and it's, you know, a lot of my audience, especially in that moment, were, were African-Americans. And it's like, that's one less thing they have to worry about as young black kids. They can just start at, not at a deficit, but they can start mm-hmm. above, you know, in life. Yes, yes to this. And I think the audience were like, no, we received that. We, <laughs> we received that because, you know, it is, it's a setback.
2: Mm-hmm. So the the joke ends with you bringing it up with dating. You you say you know you should ask if they have auto <laughs> Was that always there? Was that partly to sort of then you transition to dating material? Was it more like I need something to sort of connect these two things?
3: No, you know that was a tag that I kind of made up on the spot. um Oh wow! Because I I was like in my mind thinking like yo. It's funny. I mean, obviously, I know where my set is going, but I just was like, oh, this transition. It was just like, oh, you know what? Back in the day, they could be like, girl, you better find out what his credit score is. And I'm like, bum that. Like, credit score is one thing, but like, bro, are you on auto pay? Like, how confident are you in your finances? You know, because like, yeah. if you're confident in your finances, then hopefully your credit score will match that level of confidence in your, your bill paying uh,
2: uh, suaveness. In general, when you're putting it all together and, and you've talked about how it was a pretty short timeline to sort of make it a thing between different projects you had, how do you think about how these things are ordered? How do you sort of approach it as a single set?
3: Yeah. Well, for me, I knew that the beginning, like I kind of wanted to move from like, uh, getting to know me. So like, this is me, mm-hmm. this is my world. This is the Nigerian, this of it. Like before I, I go into other aspects of me. I got to lay the foundation with like who I am and what this means so that you can understand my perspective on all these other jokes, right? So it was very much like, let me introduce you to my world. And then it was like, this is what Nigerians do. This is my purview and my perspective being both Nigerian and American. And so I'm going to look at things, um, you know, with this kind of bird's eye view, even if it's like what it looks like for us to play Taboo, what it looks like, you know, for Nigerians with education and like why you know, specifically that group of people are so like gun ho with being doctors, lawyers, and engineers because, like, my mama won't even let me play with somebody who doesn't make straight A's. You know, and it's like, and we're only in mm-hmm. third grade, so it's just kind of like letting you, giving you a little bit of like insight into you know, like Herman's head back in the day. There was that show, mm-hmm. but like giving a little bit of insight into my world, and then I'm like, all right, now let's have some fun. You know, it's hopefully yeah. it's fun all mm-hmm. the way, but it's just like education over. Uh, now yeah. let's apply everything we just learned to like playing games with different groups of people, uh, going on mm-hmm. dates, uh, you know, um, uh, making a vision board. And then I knew that like uh, the setup of like haggling in the beginning was like my callback to, you know, like if I got kidnapped and my parent and knowing that like I would end yeah. my set with being, you know, the single woman and what that looks like culturally you know spiritually Mm -hmm. etc and then knowing that like i would take you from one place that you thought i left you and apply it back to this other thing because the reality is i can't stop being all of these things that i just told you i was
2: yeah you know we talked about it before which is part of that is you you mix in this documentary footage of you visiting your family in france and nigeria You explain at the top of the special why you wanted to do this, which is, there's sort of no way I could do a special about my life without showing you my life. And I wanted to ask a little bit more about that. You know, what one, what do you think it does for the home audience? You know, what does it offer them? But sort of even beyond that, it's like, you know, why did you want the audience, like, why do you want the audience to know more of you? You know, why what about yourself as an artist you're like i I, there's a deeper understanding they can get if i do this why was that important for you
3: you know i think that (sighs) most comedians you can tell like what you're going to get from a Dave Chappelle. Actually, maybe, maybe you can't ever tell what you're going to get from a Dave Chappelle show, but you yeah. know that you're going to get brilliance. You know, I just watched his, yeah. uh, 846 that came out and it was so impassioned. I don't, I don't even know if we can call it a comedy special. I think it's like an extended <laughs> TED talk, a very necessary, yeah, yeah. but it's like, but it's exactly what we needed. Um, but you yeah. know that Dave is going to see the world from like turning it on its head. Like you've, you've had enough experience with him to know that he has this very like, incredibly dark but also like funny sense of humor um and 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 thoughtful not even dark but like inquisitive he he'll make you think he's yeah. never going to give you a joke like open handed you're going to have to like come to come up to his level um you know that you know Trevor Noah is going to like apply being South African as well as being like like understanding the political um, movements of you know b- both in South Africa and in America. So you like you you know you without a comic letting you know that they're teaching you about them, you are learning about them with every show you go to, and so for me it I recognize that a lot of people came to know me through a character I play, Molly on Insecure. But I was doing comedy long before I was Molly. And so this was kind of me having to reintroduce a fan base who didn't know me as this. And so before I before I get into my groove it's like it's like when you come to school the first day and you're like hey class you know we're gonna take roll uh by the way uh my name is uh professor orgie uh, a couple of things to know about me that um uh, your syllabus is here we're gonna get quizzed on the 13th and uh, any questions great and now we can get into the lesson plan right and so it was kind of like that way of me saying like yo this is who I am this is who Yvonne is and mm-hmm. I know you love Molly, maybe not this season, but you rock with Yvonne. Yvonne is pretty dope in her own way, let me show you. And that yeah. was, and but at the same time, it's like going back home and showing my parents, that was my way of being like, I'm gonna have the mic for an hour, I know that. You all don't get the opportunity to to have a say. You know, you just, you just listen to me. You may shake your head like that's not true, you know, or like, <laughs> you know, or I have an issue with that or whatever. So I'm like, let me give my parents the time that they deserve to, to, to air their grievances, to co-sign or not. Um, and those were some of the most special moments for me in this project because it was like, yo, I get to show the world like who I am. Through my parents, (laughs) because they helped make me this way. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the most part, we all have whatever relationship we have with our parents, whether it's tumultuous or whether it's loving or whether it's tender or whether there are moments of like highs and lows. And it's like, yeah, that's that's also relatable across seven seas and all the continents. You understand this these moments that I'm having with my parents and they're having with Mm me.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: Most weight loss
0: programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, the Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
2: And we're back with Yvonne Orgy. You know, this is an audio medium, but I, I want to talk for a second about the, the visuals of the special. Specifically, I often complain about stand-up special sets, but I your set, <laughs> I, I, I loved— um, it was clearly African inspired, and then there was, of course, your outfit, which is everything. Uh, and that, and I think I heard you talk about even you. You went as far as hiring an African graphic designer to make your fonts. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about why and sort of how you came to those decisions, but also what do things like this, what do the, those visual elements, your your outfit and the the set, do in sort of helping you communicate who you who you are as we as we were talking about. How do those elements help in the sort of big picture of you're gonna get who Yvonne is?
3: Yeah, no for sure. Like for me, I am I think if I wasn't doing comedy, if I wasn't doing acting, I probably would be a marketer. Um because mm-hmm. I I know I know when I've been marketed to and I'm like, oh God, yeah, they got me. I'm at grocery store are buying these chips that I don't need, but I got to taste it. They fuse two different flavors together. I got to try it. Um, you know, it's just like, I saw the commercial for it. And for me, so visually my aesthetics, like I know when I'm like, you know, when it's like, don't judge a book by its cover. I'm like, nah, I do. Cause I'm like, this is, (laughs) does it look good? I'll take it, you know? And I'll, I'll open the first page. It could be trash. but I'm like, yo, but this cover is great. And so for me, I watched a lot of specials before, um, before I went into production on my own. And I just was like, yeah, I don't want to do like just a curtain no, I don't yeah. want to do, you know, I, I, I I'm like, oh, I, w- I want to feel like everything is, tr- is part of something else. Like if we're talking Africa, I want to feel like even the set reminds me of Africa without like, you know, a caricature of it. Cause and then there's also like, well, what is Africa? You know what I mean? Like what is, what is that? And so when I took the trip home to Nigeria, uh, so before we actually went on the trip i like looked at some of my favorite um like photographers or you know like just people that i knew captured like african faces fields countries like i just i would like i would like go on their instagram just for inspiration and i knew i wanted something vibrant etc but it wasn't until i went to nigeria and i saw this restaurant um it's called alara and I was I loved the it, the it's it's like a it's like a high end like shop but it's also like an art exhibit so it's and and then mm-hmm. it's a restaurant at the back so it's like it's like a beautiful mezcla you can like spend the whole day there and I saw I saw the the entryway is this red gate um and it was like it's it's um, iron on top of iron. And I was just like, it made square, it made like a square design. And I was like, yo, man, I love that. I love the iron. I love the hard. Because I'm a tomboy by nature. I grew up with three older brothers. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I love the steel, hard nature of this, but I also love the pattern. And so the designer, Tom, he was phenomenal. And I, I sent him a picture, but I was like, how do we make it our own? And he was wise enough to be like, well... Let's let's take the inspiration and create a different pattern, and then where you will actually be, because the stage is large, but where the camera will actually focus, let that be where the design like interfaces and mm-hmm. intersects, because that's what you're going to see the most on screen. And he was right. And what I love about HBO is that they they respected the vision because um, I didn't realize how expensive backdrops were. <laughs> I didn't. I just was like, I want that. And, you know, obviously we have budgets and, um, they were like, well, to have that made, it's going to be X amount of thousands of dollars. And I was like, huh? Well, I was like, don't we know anybody like in a, like a, a wielding shop or something like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how can we make this, you know, work? And so then the, there was this notion of like, well, can we, um, put it on a sheet and then just you know, put a picture on a sheet and print it out. And if you know me, I'm super anal in a lot of different ways and very specific. Mm-hmm. And I was like, will we be able to get light through that though? Because I wanted to be able to shine through and really have like the 3D effect. And and they were like, well, no, because the sheet is just, it is like the light has to be on the sheet already. And I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> you know, I was like, I already don't like this. And so it was like a, a thing that by the grace of God, they went back to HBO, HBO gave us, Leeway in the budget to make it happen. Um, because I was like, I, I, again, I, I, my thought was like, if I only get one of these, hopefully I'll get more, but if I only get one of these, I want it to be done as excellently and perfectly as possible. If this is my one shot. And so that's how the, the stage came about. Cause I was like, you know, what says Africa? I don't know, but like this pattern said to me strength and said to me, mm-hmm. you know, different. And then I was just like, Again, I'm very specific. I had the theme song created by an artist named Midlow because I always like to come out on stage with high energy. And, you know, most of the songs I like, um, one of the songs I used on tour was T.I. and Jay-Z's Bring 'em Out. To which I was, you know, graciously told whose budget is going to pay for yeah. that. And I was like, you're not wrong. And so, you know, I, you know, Swiss Beats, you know, was one of those producers that I loved that had like the upbeat songs and he just made you want to dance. And I was like, I need like a Swiss Beats hype kind of song. And Midlow and this producer Mike Bombs, they created the Mama I Made It theme song. And HBO was like, great we can use that. <laughs> and because I knew, because I told Chris Robinson, our, our director, that I wanted to actually make a music video when I came out. Mm-hmm. And he does music videos for Drake and Chris Brown and everybody. I was like, HBO thinks you're getting a comedy special, but it's really a documentary music video and comedy special. <laughs> and then um, for me, my outfit is always something that I am very, very specific about. I did a, like, 13, 12, 13 city tour before we actually shot the special and every city was different. I knew that I, I liked black. I knew that I wanted like, you know, either shorts or if if I'm doing heels, then it's boots. Or if I do um, mm-hmm. sneakers, then it's like these like iridescent, it, 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 whatever it is, it has to make a statement. And every comedian, every black comedian pays homage to Eddie Murphy's delirious red jumpsuit. Yeah, it's like a leather. It's like a moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was. It was a fashion moment. It was a comedy moment. It was iconic, and I was yeah. like, "Well, I'm not doing. I'm not doing red." Um, but <laughs> I was like, "I will get Laurence Boss, who's um Guinea Bissau." So I was like, "Let me get as many Africans as possible at to like." to further this vision. Because for me, it's like, if I win, we all win. So who can I pull up at the same time? Because I don't ever enter something not believing it's not going to be a moment. I'm like, no, if I Mm -hmm. do something, I want to do it so well that it becomes a moment. And Laurence literally created that outfit (laughs) overnight, flew it from L.A. to D.C., landed it to me at 3.45, got on a 5 p.m. plane back to L.A., and I hit the stage at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock. Like, it was a crunch time, final hour situation. Um, and I would always say, even if my jokes bomb, my outfit better be the bomb. So that's my <laughs> that's my thing. It's like, hopefully these jokes make it, but if they bomb, my outfit's going to be tight, though.
2: <laughs> so um, you've... You've told the story of how you started doing comedy in almost every interview you've done. It's it's one of the great comedy sort of origin stories, which is you, it was 2006, uh, you were asked to enter a Miss Nigeria in America pageant. Last minute, you're asked, what's your talent going to be? You didn't have a talent. Uh, I'll let you tell the next part of it. So then what happens?
3: <laughs> um, so I didn't have a talent. And so I prayed. Because at that point Mm -hmm. I had, you know, this was, I was 20, maybe like 22 uh, at this point. And I became a a born again Christian in college, freshman year when I was 17. So I, you know, been developing this like relationship with, with God. And this was probably one of the first times that like he was making a demand on me in a way that I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I got to listen to him. Also, like, I can't just like pray and like. (laughs) <laughs> like let go, like he he wants me to do something that's uncomfortable. Wait, I didn't realize that that's how this relationship was gonna work. So anyway, I prayed and I heard Holy Spirit say, "Do comedy." And I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> like, no, like that's not even a thing that I wanted. Yeah. Like, not how that's not even a thing I know to do. Also, am I funny? I don't want to find out. Like, it was so, there were so many there were so many question marks that came up with that one comment that I was like. Immediately, I knew this has to be God because I wouldn't be fighting yeah. it so much. Because if it was like me, I'd be like, let's do it. But because I was like, this is yeah. definitely not me. We are not. Hold on. Hey, guys, let's another yeah. team huddle, guys. Uh, God has gone crazy. I don't know where he went, but he's clearly out to lunch. And I, I again, I heard Holy Spirit say, well, what else do you have? And it mm. was in that moment where I'm like, oh, I hate my back being up against the wall. I really, I, I hate not having any options. I do, cause I'm just like, you know, as a Nigerian woman, I'm so resourceful. It's like, you know, you, like you saw in the market scene, it's just like, okay, you know, we'll figure it out. Like all of those people are entrepreneurs, all of those people in the market, like they are creating. And so for me, I'm like, I, I, this, is, this is my heritage. Like I will always have an answer. And in that moment I was like, oh, I don't have an answer. Like I don't even have anything to battle God with. And I knew like, girl, if you say you go to Bible study in church like you do, what's the point if you're not going to listen to them? And I was like, ah, you're right. And so I just said, yeah. And I started writing down what I thought was funny growing up with this dual lens uh, as a Nigerian and American. I mean, my audience there was very Nigerian. So I was like, well, this is a sweet spot. <laughs> um, and then I was like, well, this is not real because I can't just perform to only Nigerians. Like I'm in America. There's, yeah. there, you know, there are more Americans than Nigerians. And then I entered uh, the DC's Funniest College Student Competition uh, because I was getting my master's at the time. And then I ended up winning for GW, which was definitely not a Nigerian audience. And I was like, well, okay, God, wait, one more test. And it was just like, what else do I have to do to tell you, like, this is what I want you to do? But it was just so foreign to me and it felt so different than anything I could have ever imagined that I I really was like, I need assurance that, that I heard right. Because at that point, like it was kind of fun getting the feedback. It was kind yeah, of yeah. fun like having the audience like laugh at something I said. So it was like, I was kind of getting addicted to that. And then I was like, no, but what if this isn't what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> and then it turned yeah. out it was.
2: Um. You know, I've spoken to a, a lot of comedians, some who may or may not be religious, but I think, you know, a lot of them would admit to a certain sort of a lot of them would admit to a certain sort of spiritual feeling that comes from performing stand up that comes from the connection to the audience. You know, you, you clearly are getting and giving a lot of energy when you perform. <laughs> does it at this point? Does it feel spiritual for you? Would you characterize it that way?
3: You know, there is an out-of-body experience that happens. Like, before I jump on the stage, I'm a hot mess. Like, my nerves are shot. Like, I still get nervous. I'm like, is there a way I can back out? Um, And then there's something about when I hear my name called, it's like, no, boo, this is showtime. This is your moment. Like, anything else you... Like, it really is an out-of-body experience. Like, I remember opening for Chris Rock on his Total Blackout Tour. And we did Atlanta. We did... Um, New York Um, we did the Madison Square Garden Theater as well as the Dolby Theater and then we did Barclays Center now Barclays was the last show I did for him all the other shows like Atlanta I definitely was like this is my moment I don't know if I'll get another one because like we hadn't gotten the other dates yet and so I was like I gotta make Atlanta great and then he called me to do the L.A. and New York shows. And that again, it was like, oh, my God, these, this is where the Oscars is at. So it was like the the gravity of the moment was like, poof. And I, you know, I felt like every night, like, you know, this night was better than the other. I don't know. Something about 16,000 people watching me, that was mm-hmm. my best performance. I have no idea. I, like, that should have been the one I was the most nervous at. But it was something about, like, you... All of everything else was practiced to get you to this moment. You bet not, you bet not mess up. And it was like, yes, self, mm-hmm. yes, self. And I got off the stage and it felt like I was never even on that stage. It felt like somebody took yeah. over. And that's what it felt like. Uh, you know, I did two tapes at the, um, at the for the comedy special, what people don't know, I had those boots on. I had sprained my leg, <laughs> <laughs> I had sprained my leg like during my tour. And so, after like the seven o'clock show, I'm like hurting, but I'm like, you got you never let them see your sweat, Yvonne. And I'm just, I'm trying to be focused. I'm I'm nervous because I'm like, there's so many lights, and then there's like 13 cameras. So, you know, it's like it's my first special like this. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's so much yeah. going on. That the seven o'clock show I was like, this, this can't be the this can't be the special. No. And then I remember like, yo, you got one more shot. This is this, mm-hmm. this is what you mm-hmm. you sold everybody on this dream. You got one more shot to get right. They went back. My 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 ankle was getting swollen. They wrapped me up in tape. I put some BioFreeze on, put those boots back on. And I was like, for the next 60 minutes, you are not in pain. You are not gonna mess up. You're gonna give them a show. (laughs) And it was like, that was, and I got off the stage after the second show and I was like, oh yeah, that's my special guys. That's my, like I was so pumped (laughs) because it was like, I literally, again, the same feeling of being at Barclays and like feeling like something came over me I, it was a, it was confidence, but it was also like I knew, like my faith was like kicking in, like Holy Spirit was like, yeah. I won't. We didn't come this far just to get this far, boo. We got work to do.
2: Yeah, you know the the special was uh, it's called Mama. I made it, and you know there there is something of as as you mentioned that sort of it's a proof that you know the what when God said do comedy and push you sort of in that direction for you there was like well this is what it worked it you know you made it there sort of there is there you're correct to be sort of pushed in this direction you know, looking back at this journey do you think about one why was it right for you and also but why were you the right person to be pushed in this journey
3: man that is a question that is who you are you are flowing <laughs> in the spirit brother um you know it's so interesting because i think that God puts purposes on people before they know it, right? It's kind of like I I mm-hmm. and I don't know if your listeners like are Bible people, but like the story of Gideon, right? It's like the, the angel comes to Gideon and calls him a mighty warrior and Gideon's like, "What are you talking about? Mighty <laughs> warrior? I am the lowest and the least. Okay, my the clan we have been getting beat up. It's not me. I think you got you got the wrong one, bro." And it's in that moment that Gideon's like, "Who is what is happening? Me? And I heard T.D. say said Gideon had been praying for who God called him to be. Like, he was the answer to the prayer that he was praying. And Mm -hmm. he didn't know that. (laughs) He was just like, please don't do this to me. Please don't make me the answer. Like, can you send somebody else? And Mm -hmm. so many times, like, it's so funny that I was born holding my mom's IUD in my hand. So technically... (laughs) I wasn't even supposed to be here. My mom was like, I'm done. And then it's like, I come out, I'm holding the IUD. Then they name me Archer of Happiness. And then they're like, and then for like 20 years of my life, they believe I'm going to be a doctor. But then God is like, I'm going to make you a healer, but not through a scalpel, but through humor. And it's, it's so crazy. Cause I'm I'm like, Me? It hey, hold me, you know. Really, like I got to be like, be like you, me. You thought this much about my life that you literally made me the answer for something. And then, and then, even for the special to be coming out in such a time as this, yeah. where there's so much upheaval, there's so there's there is a, a a need for a moment of black joy because black bodies have been so oppressed. There's so much. There's so much in the history of this country and, and, and just the upheaval that's happening. And God's like, yeah. So in this moment where you think this might be the worst time for your special to come out, I'm going to actually make it the best time. And yeah. it's like, Oh, you, I'm, I apologize for ever thinking I know more than you. I, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. And so when you say why me, it's, it's, It's still me fulfilling the purpose and not just like, hey guys, let me make you laugh, but like, hey guys, let me bring a moment of healing. We are hurting. Mm -hmm. And if in this moment we can all take a collective timeout to be like, there is still joy that exists within our suffering. There is still hope that exists within our suffering. There is still progress that can happen. And there is still celebrations that we will have, despite what the world may tell us that we can't have, and so to your question, it's like i don't I'm not questioning anymore, like I question because mm-hmm. I'm in awe, but I also know like, if this is my portion and if this is my job, I got a job to do.
2: Hmm. I'm, I'm getting emotional though. <laughs> I'm like crying one second. <laughs> <laughs> So that sound means it's time for our final segment, which is a laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a laughing round. Uh, So they're shorter (laughs) questions, lighter questions, I promise you. Um, Do you have a favorite uh, joke joke, like a street joke?
3: A favorite joke joke?
2: Um, Chris Rock, when
3: he says, excuse me, I was wondering, is it possible? (laughs) It gets me every time.
2: Yeah. Um, Do you have a joke that you kept on trying but never worked and but you think maybe the audience was wrong and you'll always think it's funny you'll think your entire <laughs> life when you stop trying it
3: um man if i did i have taken it out of my memory actually no wait mm-hmm. there was a joke that i thought was funny and it was it was it was not and i actually used it one time at a, a, a request from a friend and the audience let me know like no and i was like you lied to me she's like i thought it was funny i was like uh so never again. I
2: won't say I won't use that joke again. The audience
3: Oh, you right. won't even say what it is right
2: now. <laughs> no. no, no. Um, at the top of the season of Insecure, my colleague Hunter Harris ranked every man on Insecure. For those who haven't read it, number one was Thug Yoda. Number two was Jared. Number three was Andrew. And in last place, beyond Scott Foley as a slave owner on Do Nord <laughs> was Dro. Did you see this list? What what do you think about what did you think about it? What do you think about it?
3: I thought this list was comic gold at its finest. <laughs> I was just like, who is this magical human that has gone through the the trouble of ranking all of them? And I love that she had criteria and then was like, let me go back on this one criteria because also <laughs> we had this one guy in the scene. Um yeah, no, I saw I saw the list. I think Thug Yoda is perfect because Thug Yoda, as number one, he is he's he's been consistent throughout all four seasons. He is like, I think this of Issa. I'm not afraid to be myself. I will never use mm. uh, c words. <laughs> he's great.
2: And how do you feel about jo- uh, Dro being last place?
3: Joe should be in the last place. He was he was trash. <laughs> Joe should definitely be in the last place. I I am I agree. Uh, she gets the award for getting it right. Absolutely,
2: mm-hmm. she'll be very pleased to hear that. Um, <laughs> this is the last question, which is barely a question. Which is this interview is taking place before the finale of Insecure has aired, but will the interview will come out after it has aired? So, without telling me what happens, mm. what is your answer to how do you felt about what you learned? What happens? Does that make sense? <laughs> sort of.
3: What? I feel like this is is like a reverse psychology of
2: trying to tell you what happened. Yes. All right. So let me try to explain it again. So this interview, as you know, is happening before the finale airs and press has not seen it. But the interview will come out after the finale is aired. So everyone listening will have watched the finale. So to those people, these future us... (sighs) What do you want to say about the finale? What was, What would your reaction to be? What do you feel like you want to communicate to these people?
3: I will say we needed everything to happen this season in order to get us to this
2: moment. Perfect. Perfect. That is a perfect ending <laughs> to this. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your answers. Was, this was fantastic. No, thank, you, thank so you.
3: This was an enjoyable one. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
2: That's it for another episode of Good One. This episode's clip was Courtesy of HBO. Watch Mama I Made It and Insecure on HBO and HBO Max. Follow Avon on social media at Orgy. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, Art Chung, and Camila Salazar. God Mushikushin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing round suggestions to GoodOnePodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at GoodOnePodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good one is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next week with Hasan Minhaj. Have a good one.
1: Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it.